You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Big show today, Brain. We are we are bringing some very, very, very special guests onto the show to help us out with some draft talk because we've mentioned many times on the show before we're not draft guys so we're going to bring some people on who in fact are draft guys and we're going to bring them and they also in addition to being draft guys happen to be very very good friends of ours so uh from way back in the day, and we're going to bring them on here in just a moment. But first, a reminder, if you're not doing so already, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. It is at Same Old Dolphins. I am, of course, at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. Download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. And, of course, make sure that you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. And make sure you visit FinHeaven.com for all of your message board needs. If you don't like Facebook, if you don't like Twitter and social media, FinHeaven is an old-school message board just for Miami Dolphin fans. So make sure you visit finheaven.com every day as well because there's a great community of Miami Dolphin fans over there as well. All right, my friends, we are now ready to bring on some very, very special guests. Our first guest is a, is a, is a friend of mine from way, way back in the day. Somebody who I uh, just absolutely love and adore and haven't had an opportunity to talk with a whole lot. He also happens to be a huge, huge draft Nick, and we are very, very pleased to welcome him to the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Daniel Behrman. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Hey, Josh. Hey, Aaron. Great Great to be here. Hard to believe that I'm connecting with you guys. In 2021, can you believe it? Seriously. Seriously, we've known each other a long, long time. We go way, way back. And of course, we're not... Yeah, I mean, I I think we were probably five or six years old when we first met. So it's, it's a long time ago now. But it's not just the three of us today because we also have the deputy editor of sports betting for ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. You've seen him. You've heard him here on DolphinsTalk.com before. Please welcome David Behrman to the show. David, how are you? Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. Uh, I have to give you some props, Josh. I do two or three of these every single week with sports betting stuff on on golf, football, etc. Nobody has made me chuckle 
on an introduction like you guys just did for the first couple <laughs> of minutes. I thought that was outstanding. Um, but, but really to paint the picture, like I've known you guys since you were like three and four years old and to see you guys hosting the pod. And I, for a minute, I, I didn't even know it was you guys. You guys were not, not to say you weren't funny back then, but that was a, uh, it was an outstanding start and I'm happy to be here. And it's good that I see my little brother in the lower right-hand corner. So. It's beautiful. We, we, it's not to say that we weren't funny, but we were always funny looking. And now here we are on video on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hi, everybody. Hey, Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, now is the time to go and do that. Hit that subscribe button because we got a lot of new content coming out every day, basically, between here and the NFL draft. And that is what Daniel and David are here to talk to us about today they are they're here to talk to us and get ready to talk about the nfl draft specifically as it pertains to your miami dolphins because all of us growing up in south florida literally i mean we were five minute walk from each other's houses three minute walk if you cut through our across the street neighbor's backyard (laughs) we would cut through the bushes get over to daniel and david's house play a little pickup basketball in the driveway then after that, if it started raining, we'd move to the garage, we'd play some ping pong, play some NHL 94, drink some warm Pepsis. And from that, here we are talking a little bit of NFL draft. And uh, it's it's an exciting time because the Dolphins are on an upswing right now. And we feel like this rebuilding process continues and it, it's going well to the point that I think at this point, I would think most Miami Dolphin fans are expecting this Dolphins team to make the playoffs in 2021 at the very least. Um, The 10 and six record that they had in 2020 certainly helped in that, but it's not to say that this isn't a team with some holes to be filled. And so really, I think that's probably where we need to start. If we're going to do a preview of the draft, we've got to take a look at what the positions are that the Miami Dolphins need to fill. So we'll go to you, Daniel. You're the you're the 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 chief draft nick on the on the show here today. So tell us what what are what do you perceive to be the positions that the Dolphins are most in need of addressing in this year's draft? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Josh. Um I, I do love this time of year. Um following the draft, if sadly living in Atlanta and also being a Falcons fan, um I had to start following the draft much earlier than I'd like to but it was nice to not have to worry about it as much with the Dolphins until, you know, Houston started doing the way they did. Then it was great because you get to cheer for your team, hope for a really successful t- successful year, while also, you know, the draft forward, um, without having to ruin your season and, and, and feeling bad for getting a good draft pick. Um, with that in mind, you know, you know, almost making the playoffs this past year, uh, one would think there's there's not too many teams. There's definitely a, a few. And, you know, I think the most obvious that people like to drive towards which is probably less of a, of a of a need now after free agency is is wide receiver. So everyone saw this past year people calling for Tua to to be benched for the Dolphins to draft a quarterback. Which to be honest, I think all of that is nonsense. And most people that are doing that are thinking more out of passion and just you know wanting to try to understand you know, winning rosters are disrupted with salary cap implications of a rookie quarterback and so on and so forth. And so you know. Giving to a playmakers would, would obviously have last year with you know, terrible yards per air thrown and yards per reception that the Dolphins had. Right, so everyone was frustrated with 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 the offense. But you know the the acquisition of Will Fuller over over the off season, you know, 
helps that. So probably not as pressing of a need as, as what everyone thinks it really is. A much more needy um, area of the team is definitely the interior line. I, I don't think the Dolphins have addressed the interior line in, in a day. They, they picked up a couple of guys this past year, which was nice to see. But, you know, going back to Billy Turner in 2014, third round pick, and Dallas Thomas in 2016, third round pick, neither of them worked out. We've just been cobbling together with duct tape and, 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 and super glue the offensive line. If you look at any successful, you know, consistent offense, whether it's Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Indianapolis, they all have good interior line. So I think your line, um, big need. We did pick up a center this past year, but, you know, he's got a kind of an injury, um, <clears throat> injury risk in Skura uh, picking him up. So, you know, hopefully he plays out if he can be healthy. Um, running back, is obviously, you know, again, another duct tape and, and super glue there. Um, you know, it's great to see what we got out of Gaskin and, um, and Ahmed last year, but you, you know neither of them would really start on most most teams. So getting a playmaker in that field, I think, it is definitely a need. Um, and then you know in, in linebacker and, and, and edge suite, you know we 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 drafted Charles Harris a couple of years ago. That obviously didn't work out. Didn't work out for the Falcons last year. Um, so that was a, a bust of a first round pick. And then you know a couple acquisitions last year, whether it was Van Noy, which actually had a great year, um, or Shaq Lawson. Also, not a terrible year, but, you know, didn't necessarily end out after one year for both of those. So cutting bait on both of those guys, uh, we, we definitely missing missing some support there on the edge. And then linebacker as well. So just having playmakers that can go sideline to sideline. Um, you've seen some great acquisitions in the past. Devin White, Devin Bush for Pittsburgh. And, and uh, really, you know, bringing some youth and speed and athleticism to a defense. So, you know, at the end of the day, if with the playmakers that, that you see at the top of the draft, you know, Wide receiver, we may have had Will Fuller, so it may not be as glaring. But with the premium options at the top of the at top of the draft, you know, definitely, uh, definitely can go the wide receiver route as well. But you know, I, I think there are pressing needs that maybe may may not be filled, you know, in the top ten. Yeah, I I I, I would agree with all of that that and your assessment there, Daniel. David, what are your thoughts on where that of those positions of need? Do you do you feel the greatest? need is for the Dolphins I'm, headed into this draft? I'm going to start, and it, to me, it starts and stops at wide receiver. The, the Dolphins need playmakers. Everything Daniel said was accurate about the, the lines and the playmakers and wide receiver and running backs. But like Just throwing out some numbers from last year, even you, you would argue that their best playmakers on offense, especially at the wide receiver and tight end position, were Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker, who had two great years, especially with the rookie quarterback. But you dive deep into the numbers – Devontae Parker was the second worst wide receiver in the entire NFL in terms of getting separation. And next-gen stats would show that if all the graded wide receivers that played a certain minimum threshold, he was the second worst. The only one he was better than is when you include tight ends, Mike Gusecki. As good as a season as Gusecki had was the worst tight end in football in terms of separation between the defender. So everyone wants to go ahead and rip Tua for not throwing deep and not throwing downfield. He was throwing to guys that weren't open. So, like, why would you throw and force it as a rookie quarterback against NFL defenses you're seeing the very first time, force it in there to receivers that aren't open? Now, he has the most he had the most accurate arm in the nation when he was at Alabama, and he'll show that eventually. But you got to get some weapons. They have to give him some help with all due respect to who they have. Daniel's right. Will Fuller comes out there, stretches the field a little bit. You still got to get the playmakers. Now, I know offensive line, some people think it's a need, but they have drafted offensive linemen in the last couple of years. And to me, I think you do need some veteran leadership there. But when you have Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Solomon Kinley all drafted last year, you got to give them a chance. Sure, you're going to make some misses like they had in the past. 
They're bringing like the veteran center that Daniel was talking about. You got yeah Eric Flowers last year. The three rookie guys last year they did okay. It was probably the best the Dolphins offensive line has looked in years. It wasn't the rotating turnstile as we've seen in the past. So I think if you get some playmakers, you know, I've been on Devontae Smith since the very beginning. Love the guy just as much as I loved Tua when he was in college. I would take Chase. I would take any of, I would take Waddle. I would even take Kyle Pitts, wide receiver, tight end, wherever you want to put him. They need to get weapons to throw to. Najee Harris in the backfield, possibly. I, I like Gatskin. But he's a small back. I think they can use him in different situations, whether split out wide or mixing and matching. But you've got to take care of the offense in the first round this year. They have multiple picks. Whether they trade back or not is yet to be seen again. But if you let Tua go out there with Fuller, maybe Parker, maybe Pitts, or a Waddle or a Chase or a Smith, you're giving them options to stretch the field, and it's not going to be the dink and dunk offense you saw last year. Yeah, Tua got criticized a lot last year because he didn't throw down there. But if you remember the first five games he had, he didn't throw any picks. He wasn't forcing it in there to a Devontae Parker who couldn't get separation and who was injured. Yaseki, no separation and injured. Grant, about the size as me and Daniel. Not exactly a weapon to throw to. Gatskin, COVID, and they had. There was one game where they had the first four catches of the game were guys I had never heard of. And if we've never heard of them, they're not exactly weapons out there. So I think you go out there, you take care of business at the six pick with some sort of weapon. They're going to get one of those either receivers or tight ends are going to be available. Simple math: three quarterbacks up there. I know we're going to get more into the first round in a minute. Three quarterbacks, probably Sewell. There's two more picks and at least four more guys that I like. So I think they're going to have the opportunity to get that. And we can talk more later about pick 18. Maybe you do go ahead and draft an offensive lineman or get a linebacker like Micah Parsons. I just think it starts and ends with weapons because that's what we all talk about is the offense. I know defense is important. Defense is probably going to take a little bit of a step back this year because of how great they were last year. Don't expect 10 picks from Xavier Howard again. But at the end of the day, we're going to be grading Tua. Tua. Tua, you can't grade the guy unless you get him some weapons. So I think that's where you got to start, especially in 2021 NFL. If this was 1995, maybe you started defense. But right now, you need those weapons. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about where the Dolphins should go and what we think they, where we think they will go with that six pick. And I think it's all framed here pretty perfectly at this point because as as Daniel was talking about talking about the Dolphins backfield is put together with, uh, you know, duct tape and crazy glue. And you're talking about all of these various receivers that you'd never heard of. I was I was taking a look today, actually, at the players that the Dolphins have at running back, wide receiver and tight end. Right. As I looked at all those guys today, I looked at that today. Twenty players, 20 players of those 20 guys that the Dolphins have at running back tight end or wide receiver on their roster right now. Do you know how many of those 20 guys are were picked on day one or day two of the draft? Parker, Parker. Gasicki. Knowing who their GMs uh, were back Gisicki. in the day. Yeah, Gasicki was a second rounder. Second, yeah. He was a two. Parker was a one. Gaskin was a seven. Yeah, there were, I think there that's were about five. it. There are five guys, five guys on the Dolphins roster right Albert now Wilson, in their maybe? skill positions who were drafted on uh, day one or day two. Devontae Parker was a was a first day selection, as was Mike Kosicki. Adam Shaheen was actually a second round pick uh, as well. 
<laughs> and then uh, and then Will Fuller. Okay. Uh, oh, and Lynn Bowden was a third round pick as well. Those are your five guys. Of those skill position guys that the Dolphins have on the roster, 10 of them were entered the league as undrafted free agents, including Albert Wilson, <laughs> including Robert Foster, who they just picked up in free agency, and then including Malcolm Brown, who they just picked up in free agency. The, the Dolphins have a lot of unrestricted free agents, guys who are uh, undrafted free agents, rather, that, they, that they've brought into the team. And so when you look at that, you go, you know, maybe the strategy of actually drafting skill position players is a good idea. <laughs> and maybe this is the year where the Dolphins are going to do that because they've got the sixth pick in the draft and because things are going to be set up, I think, pretty perfectly for the Dolphins at six. I th we're, we're all, we all know at this point that the first three picks of this draft are 99.999% going to be quarterbacks. There is a question right now about what Atlanta is going to do with that four pick. Are they going to draft a QB? Are they going to trade out to somebody who wants a QB? Are they going to make a trade with Denver or with Washington or something to, to move out of that spot so that somebody who is crazy for Trey Lance will, will move up or God forbid, Mac Jones, uh, you know, somebody wants to make that move. There is a world where the top four picks of this draft are all quarterbacks, which means that the dolphins have a very real possibility of arriving at the sixth pick with Every single skill position player, every wide receiver, pass catcher, running back that they could possibly desire could still be on the board when they pick at six, presuming that the Bengals go offensive line at five. So that brings us to the question of if the Bengals, for whatever reason, don't go offensive line, they don't go Penny Sewell at five, or the, the word on the street is that the NFL is really, really high on Rayshon Slater, actually, to the point where they're higher on, a lot of these NFL GMs are higher on Slater than they are on Sewell, actually. Um, so is there a world where the Dolphins, faced with the possibility of selecting a skill position player, a game-changing type player like a Kyle Pitts, a Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, a Jalen Waddle, one of those guys. Do the Dolphins go that route or do they pick one of the two tackles on the board? You guys hinted already that the Dolphins have already invested significantly on the offensive line last year with Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt. And there's this talk of, well, everybody's expecting Tua to take a big step forward this year. Everybody, you know, that big leap from year one to year two. I think it's odd that you're not hearing those same people say, I'm expecting those three offensive linemen, those three rookies from 2020 to also take a big step forward in 2020. You're not hearing that. And I would think there's just as much chance, if not a better chance that those guys take a huge step forward this year as well. So that leaves us in the sixth spot. And what do the Dolphins do there? What do they select? Before we get into the players, I think this is a great opportunity. David, you're you're the betting guy. You've got you got all the props there. Let's talk about what what what's going to come off the board here. What are the Dolphins? What are the odds saying that the Dolphins are going to end up looking at here when it's their turn to make that selection at six? I think the trades that they made a few weeks ago were a huge signal as to what the Dolphins are going to do. Now, none of us are, you know, are, are in the office and none of us are, you know, know specifically what they're going to do. But I firmly believe that the Dolphins were going to take Sewell 
or even a quarterback that everybody stupidly said they should take, which we know they shouldn't, that it would have kept the number three pick. Because if you drop down to 12 and obviously move back up to six, you're almost losing your opportunity to, to get Sewell which I'm fine with. I want a wide receiver, tight end. Like I want the playmaker, period. To me, there, there's no other choice but to make that playmaker because you got three rookies already that are be second-year players that you mentioned need to step up. But I think if, if, if you're looking at the odds and you're looking at what the Dolphins have done recently, they're not going to take a quarterback or they wouldn't have traded out. They gave up their position on Sewell by trading beyond the Bengals. So to me, it's the playmaker, the wide receiver or the tight end. That is where the heavy money would be on what the Dolphins are going to do, and it shows. If you go and look at the odds, it said that the Dolphins are projected to take a wide receiver slash tight end with that pick. It's heavily juiced to that number, and that's what it should be because that's what it's lined up to be. Uh, at the end of the day, everyone keeps talking about what is Tua going to be like at the end of year two. Are you going to give him the same chances that you gave him in year one, or are you going to bench him, or what are you going to do? If he doesn't have anybody to throw to, has no options. He's going to be just like he was last year. So you have to give him something. And I'm not saying offensive line isn't important. We all know to win a Super Bowl, you have to be good in the trenches. Daniel hit on it earlier with the interior. But you got to give the three rookies that they drafted last year a chance, just like you got to give Tua a chance. So you, you spent last year doing the lines. This year, it's about the playmakers. The Dolphins decided last year to build up. So this year, odds are showing rightfully so, that they're going to go get a playmaker. And you mentioned if the options are there and they have all the playmakers in the world, maybe they back up some more. Maybe they look for another trade to move down a little bit because all of the options are there. But I think you're right, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Lord knows what the Falcons are going to do. And then Sewell goes five to the Bengals. So the Dolphins have their pick of the litter, so to speak. I just think that the, what they've shown so far, without knowing, without talking to Greer or, or talking to Flores, that – it's going to be one of those wide receivers or pits, and that's what it should be, which is why I think the moves they made earlier this month were the smart ones because you're wasting the number three pick if you're going to go ahead and take Devontae Smith that you could get at 8, 9, 10, or 11. I mean, his his over-under is 10.5 for Devontae Smith, who everyone thought the Dolphins were taking at number three. The fact that yeah. it's 10.5 means his stock has dropped a little bit. Maybe it's because he hasn't worked out like everybody else has, or maybe it's because they think he's too small. I still think he goes top 10, but the Dolphins will have the ability to get one of those guys at six, if not later in the first round. Yeah, and that leads me to ask you, Aaron, what do you think, what do you, oh, there's two questions, really. What do you, Aaron the Brain, want the Dolphins to do with that six pick, and what do you think they will do with that six pick? So I, I'm 100% on board with David. Uh, I, I believe when you look at what the Dolphins did last year in both free agency and the draft, they put a lot of resources into the defense and they put a lot of resources into the offensive line. But they did not put really any resources into weapons. They, they, you know, they kind of played the game in the draft trying to wait and get a running back at good value it didn't work out for them. All the running backs that they liked went earlier than they were willing to take them. So they swung and missed. They took a shot at Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. That obviously didn't pan out. But you, they look, they were looking to trade for Le'Veon Bell at, at, at a certain point. So you know they're looking for an upgrade at running back. Obviously, when you look at 
Uh, the next-gen stats that David brought up with the lack of separation from Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki being one and two, I believe Preston Williams was fifth on that list. So, I mean, there. look, you get, you get Will Fuller, and that's great. Uh, that's going to help. But one, he's on a one-year deal. Uh, he hasn't exactly proven that he's this guy that you can rely on both to stay on the field and be productive. So you've got to have some other plan there because if, if if he gets hurt, if he you know has another PED problem, I mean then you're, then you're looking at a year long suspension. I mean then this guy is not going to be around. So you've got to have you've got to add some dynamic playmaker to the outside as a wide receiver. Uh, as far as what I'm looking for, look, Kyle Pitts is really, really intriguing because a lot of people will say that he might be, outside of the quarterbacks, the best prospect in this draft. And so I'm not going to hate that pick if you take Kyle Pitts, but I'm not necessarily going to love that as being my top choice because I think if you get Kyle Pitts, then – it's a little redundant between Kyle Pitts and Mike Gesicki. I think at a certain point, you're you're basically drafting Kyle Pitts at that point to essentially replace Mike Gesicki, which is fine because I think it could be a huge upgrade. But I think if you draft Kyle Pitts, you probably have to double dip and get another speedy receiver, a slot guy, somebody that is a little bit quicker uh, somewhere later in the draft, and that's fine. You could do it. We've got enough picks to do it, so I, I have no problem if they do that. If if Kyle Pitts is the top guy on their board, I have no problem with it. But really, I look at Jamar Chase and I look at Jalen Waddle as guys that are just uber explosive and are just going to be just playmakers from a physical standpoint. I, I have no problem with Devontae Smith either. I think he's a really polished guy, probably has the best hands of the three, might be the best route runner of the three, probably is the best route runner of the three. So I don't think you can go wrong really necessarily with any of those four pass catchers, but I would lean more towards Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. Uh, just because I think that those are guys that are absolutely playmakers. Those are guys that you you put the ball in their hands and you're looking at huge yards after catch, huge yards per reception. They can do the they can do the job downfield. They can do the job underneath. Uh, and and then you know, look. Let's say you put them on the field with. Let's say you you get Jalen Waddle, who's the fastest guy in the draft. And I believe somebody said. I heard somewhere that when it comes to like the GPS tracking and the real time uh, stats with mile per, miles per hour, they said that he is the fastest player ever clocked in real time game speed. You get a guy like that, you put him on the field at the same time as a Will Fuller. I mean, how do you defend that? You're you're going to be looking at split safeties all the time. It's automatically going to loosen up the box. That's going to open up space for your running game. That's going to open up space for you to work underneath. It just opens up the entire offense to have a dynamic playmaker like that. And that's why I, I lean the speed receivers uh, and, and as particularly either Waddle or Chase. Right now, I think just because of how dynamic his workout was and just his physicality, I'm leaning more towards Jamar Chase. But 
I don't have a problem with, with Jalen Waddle. Frankly, I don't have a problem with any of the four, but those two would be my my top choice. That's kind of been my Aaron, thoughts you, on you, that. Go ahead, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, in terms of explosiveness, just don't don't write off the four four that that Kyle Pitts just ran at his proto the other day at Swift Spot. Right. So, uh, you know, I would probably have one A and one B be chasing uh, chasing Kyle Pitts there. Um, I, I did talk about offensive line. I think is more of a need, you know. But like at, with the premium playmakers, premium draft draft slot at number six, um, to be able to get uh, Pitts. I, I agree with you, Aaron, that Pitts is 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 likely to be a replacement for Gazicki, right? And especially Gazicki with the production testing want a, a big contract. And when you have Pitts there, you, you wouldn't need it. But it doesn't mean you can have two of them on the field at the same time. I mean, you could, you know, you were talking about having Fuller and Waddle on the field at the same time. Imagine Gazicki lined up. And Kyle Pitts lined up wide, right? Six foot five, runs a four four, can run a seam route, like you know, could be the best vertical route at, at the tight end spot in the game. Um, but you know, that that would be my one A one B. Dave and I both graduated from Florida. Um, you know, a lot of people think Pitts blew up this past year, which he did. Um, you can go into our text chain and you can talk. You, you can look at the 2019 season, uh, me texting him about cutting the ball and why he should be the you know the poster child for getting more tight end talent to the University of Florida. Um, so, you know, he's been doing it. He just broke onto the scene really this past year, but, you know, either chase or Pitts, I think at six would be the dream scenario. Um, especially when we would have taken either one of them at three. And, so and Aaron, like- I'm, glad, I'm glad Daniel jumped in there with Pitts. You know, the, the two of us probably watched every single play of the Gators last year. And whereas I'm with you, the speed of, of Waddle and the size of chase and, and the hands of Smith, all of them are great. We saw, like, I didn't see every game Alabama played. I didn't see every single game. Obviously, Chase didn't even play last year for LSU. What Kyle Pitts did on that field was just nothing sort of amazing. And Daniel and I would, would text each other every single play. How like There was no ball that wasn't catchable for Kyle Pitts. You're never going to see the referee do this. There's no uncatchable ball. And, you know, with, with the way the Gators ran their offense last year, they had playmakers everywhere, and Kyle Trask was great. But he had a really good guy out there in Kyle Pitts. And it wasn't just his hands, his ability to jump, his ability to make separation. There were a couple of jump balls in the end zone that, that kind of looked like Megatron, to be honest, the way he just destroyed people in the end zone. He's the guy, when you look at the Dolphins, red zone struggles for years, you want somebody that can just throw a jump ball to in the end zone, it's Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and... You know, listen, we got to be very careful. We don't want this podcast to descend into Florida Gators propaganda because that, you know, I feel like we're headed in that direction. This, this Not to say that this is an anti-Florida Gators podcast, but I, I don't want it to be, we don't want it to turn it into, you know, people doing the chomp. We, we, were, on, just, on the show. we were telling you what we saw with our eyes. That's all. It yeah. could have been any other team. If I had watched every play of it, tell you what, I watched the <laughs> national championship game. After watching the national, the first half of the national championship game with Alabama, who a team I despise, I was all in on Devontae Smith. Don't worry. What's what my eyeballs see? It doesn't matter what my degree says. Absolutely. But it seems yeah, like, Josh, above all, everybody here is in agreement that 
the Dolphins need to go with a skill position player at number six. They need to go with a pass catcher, whoever that may be. I still think even if the Dolphins decide to go off the rails and decide to go Rayshon Slater or Penny Sewell there with the sixth pick, I know that there are a number of people. I put the, I, I, I asked everybody today and, and Dolphins Twitter, I asked them what they thought. And that was like one of the overwhelming responses where that if the Dolphins went offensive line with the sixth pick that they were going to be furious. So, I, I don't think that that's necessarily mm-hmm. the end of the world, but I think they have such an opportunity here uh, to to get one of these elite skill position players. It would be, I think, a mistake, given as much as they've invested already last year, it would be a mistake not to go skill position. But I don't want to get too bogged down here at number six because we got to move forward to number 18. So assuming the Dolphins go... Skill position, assuming they go wide receiver here or or let's say pass catcher because Kyle Pitts is involved in that conversation. And that, that's what the Dolphins do when they're at six. What happens when they get to 18? Where do they go here? Here, I think there are a, there's a bit more on the table for the Dolphins to play with. Uh, you, you know, you got a lot of people pounding the table for Najee Harris, excuse me, Najee Harris. You got a lot of people bounding, pounding the table for him. You've also got people that say, this is where you go edge. This is where you go linebacker. Daniel, what is, what are, in your mind, what is the best approach for the Dolphins to take at 18, assuming that they go pass catcher at six? None of the above. So I don't want to pick at 18. Uh, if, if the Dolphins need more draft capital over the next couple of years than anyone else, right? We have it. We have it for a reason, right? It, you know, 12 would actually be a great spot. It happens to be the Eagles that we just traded to. I don't know if they're willing to, to trade down again, uh, but I do. I, I actually see 12 as a sweet spot. The reason I see 12 as a sweet spot is because you've got 13 and 14 being uh, the Chargers and the Vikings, both in the need of an offensive lineman. So, um, you know, when I look at 18, I actually really don't love the spot as a whole. Um, I think there's too much. There's not enough positional value at running back with three different running backs. And if you pull any NFL expert or draft uh, or scout there, you know, you'll get 33, 33, 33. You know, is it Javante Williams? Is it Najee Harris? Is it Etienne? Right. You know, any of them could be, you know, the, the, the best running back on the board. Right. We have a 36. So, so you, know, chan- you know, chances are you can get one of those three at 36 with, with uh better value there. I also don't love the edge class. This is not a premium draft for edge. There's good edge folks. You can look at out, uh, out of Miami uh, with Rousseau and, and, and Jalen Phillips there. Uh, but you know, none of them, you know, I, I don't love either one of them. Um, what I do think you'll see after six or, you know, after the early part of the round is you will see a run on the offensive line and you will see a run on defensive players, right? So nobody's picking defensive players yet until, you know, unless the Falcons, you know, do the, the, the Raiders pick with a couple years ago and just throw a curveball out there and take Patrick Sertan at four. But, uh, but you don't see anyone taking defensive players until the Giants at 11, the, the Cowboys at 10, um, where you start to see cornerback starting to hit. And so I think you'll start to see some cornerbacks. You'll start to see some offensive linemen. Um, I would love to get the Dolphins up into that 10, 11, 12 spot ahead of the, the Vikings and ahead of the Chargers. And pick the guy that falls between Sewell or Slater, right? You know, you're right, Josh. A lot of folks actually, you know, for whatever reason, do have Slater, Slater higher. Slater also has personal, uh, you know, positional flexibility where he can start off aggressively around the line um and so i would love we get that playmaker that pass catcher at six i would love for us to use the capital that we have we just got a three from philadelphia uh from san francisco like that 
play. You know, we could offer a two from next year, whatever. We have so much high end capital um, that I think we we have we have we've stocked stocked it over the last couple of years. So let's put it in use. Uh, board. Um, and so what I would do is, is take that move, uh, try to get up into the, into the high high teens and, and take a take a uh, an alignment there. If not, um, I'd see right. You know, that's a guard. Um, you know, probably a top guard on the board. Uh, you know, knowing that he's a top guard on the board means you know he may get plucked a little bit earlier. But I'd love to see him fall and the Dolphins take him there. I get I get your point in terms of uh, giving the guys a chance. There's a different story when you're the number one guy on the board, and, and you know, and then you know, give the guys a chance and let them win the win the position out, and then you got depth. Um, you know, I don't love the idea of taking an edge there. Um, I don't love uh, the idea of being a linebacker. Um, the one exception, and you know, two months ago he was the top five pick, right before quarterback craziness went on. Um, you know, even then, uh, a week or two later, he's still a top 10 pick. Now you're starting to see him fall. You know, if Micah Parsons becomes available, right, that fills a need. He is a top five, top 10 talent in this draft. He should not be drafted there because of positional needs and the people that are in the teams that are drafting and what they need. Um, you know, so I could even see if we, if we can't get up ahead of the Chargers and, and Vikings, you know, to, to trade up to 14 or 15, um, 15 or six that, that end and get Micah Parsons, I think would be great as well. Or if he fell, um, you know, he is a, he is a stud. He also can rush off the edge, right? So he can play sideline to sideline. So, uh, you know, I think he would be an absolute stud. If you get a playmaker with Sewell or Slater or a playmaker with Micah Parsons, um, I think that's the home run that is going to take out of the first round. I got a question I here. That. I got a question here. Uh, if you're going to trade up to whether it was 13, 14, 15, what are you having to give up? to move up there and what's the opportunity cost there? Because if we're having to give up, uh, you know, another top hundred pick or, or more than that uh, to, to take a linebacker or an interior lineman uh, you know, I, I'm not sold that that would be necessarily worth it. I'm, I'm kind of in the opposite. I I'd actually look at 18 and, and kind of look, if I don't love any of the options there at 18, I'd almost rather try to trade down four or five spots to get extra capital because I think we, 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 we're not a player away. And so we, the reason that we stacked up this draft capital was because we want as many picks as possible because inevitably you're going to miss on some and you're stacking the deck in your favor. So what would it cost to, to move up to, uh, I, I guess you're proposing to, to 13 or 14? I think you can do it with three, right? I think you can offer a third round pick, which again, we just picked up, right? We pick up the one and a three net net, um, you know, when trading, you know, with the swap of a round with Philadelphia, but we picked up a one and a three there in Philadelphia trades. Um, so, I, you know, I think you can do that. You can, you can move into that spot, um, you know, or even maybe a two, a future two, right? You know, that, that seems a little bit steep because that just became top 50, 60 there. Uh, but I, I do think, um, we're not a player away, but we're a few studs away, right? I think the team, we, we've started to construct a team, secondary. We've got a good quarterback on a rookie contract, right? You know, that's key, right? You know, it's great to pick up as many people as you can, but once you have to pay to a franchise quarterback money, now it's a lot harder to do everything in the roster. So I think it is critical in terms of roster management to get a couple of studs in there. And so I think if you can get into 
that range in, and offer a three or even a three and a five. So it's not, not going to take, you know, two first round picks to move up five spots. Right. Uh, you know, we're not talking about new England 15 trading up to four uh, with the Falcons or something along that, which, which even I saw was maybe a one in a three. Right? So if we get you all the way up to four, you would think that you could, uh, you could trade something like three, maybe a three and a five to get up to that pick. And, and if, if you're not getting Slater or Sewell at 13 or 14 and you're moving up to, to 15 or so to get Parsons, you know, then it, you know, then you're, you're talking probably maybe even a four, just a few, a few slots. So I think, I think it's, it's an opportunity cost that's worth making, especially knowing that we're still sitting there at 36 and we can get, we, we're still going to be able to add what should be another starter, um, you know, in theory, day one starter at, 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 at uh, 36. So, you know, my, my goal out of this draft is three day one starters with maybe a couple of potential future starters as well. I'm I'm doubling down, guys. Like I, I want more playmakers. Like I, I was tired of watching that offense last year not support our number one draft pick quarterback. A franchise quarterback needs people on his team. I'm doubling down. If I can get a playmaker at 18, whether it's Najee or whether it's ATN, like I wanted ATN last year. I was surprised that he stuck around and 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 he even got better last year. Now, I do agree with Aaron that I think you can get those guys later on in the round because what running backs don't usually go in the last five years. They don't usually go in the top half of the draft. So if you're at 18 and both those guys are still on the board, I would do what Aaron said. I would trade down because you could probably get one of those running backs later in the first round. The last mock draft had one guy going 30 and one guy going 35. The mock before that had one at 25 and one at 30. So you can probably get another playmaker later in the first round. I do agree with Daniel that if Parsons is there at 18, or if you can go get Parsons and not give up a lot, you go get him. He is a game changer on defense who was supposed to be a top 10 pick. Like Daniel said, drop down. I would go get him if I can, but I would not give up too much because you've earned this capital for a reason. You could trade down and get some more, but I'm looking again, guys, I'm looking at playmakers. You've got to give this guy options. If you want to go into the season, with Devontae Parker and Miles Gaskin as your guys, go ahead and draft linemen all day, cornerbacks, do what you want. I want to have Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell, Kyle Pitts. I want those guys for two to throw to because then six months from now, you could say, what do you think of Tua as your franchise quarterback? And I can say, well, he had this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Because of that, I can grade him. I cannot right now. It's a complete, incomplete grade because he had nobody to throw to. He had his, you know, uh, Fitzpatrick breathing down his neck. He's the unquestionable starter. Get him some help. I'm doubling down on weapons. I, I want the key weapons. And if that means trading down to get Harris or Etienne, fine. I'll let the, the, the second-year linemen speak for themselves. And if they don't do – if you don't believe in them, you got an early pick in the second round. You got day two and day three. You can continue building those lines. You can do that later in the draft. What you can't do – is to get a Najee Harris in the fourth round. Now, it's been done before. I wanted Dobbins last year. They Dobbins went. We didn't get him. I think that was a miss. I don't want to miss again. You have two of the best running backs in college football last year out there for the taking. Grab one of them. Grab one of them. Grab the receiver slash tight end and say, okay, no more excuses. Your second-year quarterback has plenty of weapons. Let's go use it. Let's go throw downfield. Let's use some power running and let's go. I love so, it. Brain, brain, I need you now to tell me you. So David has, has talked about uh, trading down. Daniel's talked about trading up. Where, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in this position? 
So, I mean, so me not being a huge draft guy, I want to lean a little bit on your guys' opinion on some of these edge guys. Because to me, this looks like a spot where, look, it's it's no doubt, there's no doubt that this is a huge need. It's probably the biggest need for the Dolphins on the defensive side of the ball because we, we kind of addressed off-ball linebacker with the trade of Shaq Lawson for Bernardrick McKinney. Now, you might not like Bernardrick McKinney, but obviously the Dolphins were, were fairly high on him. He was a guy that was a pro bowler a couple of years ago, and he's going to step in and be expected to be a starter right away. So I, I feel like we address that. And so the only there's a, like two positions really of need on the defensive side of the ball, which is nickel corner and edge rusher. And all you got to do is look at the Super Bowl that we just watched between Kansas City and Tampa Bay and see the way Patrick Mahomes was running for his life from, from the opening snap to understand just how important it is. While, while it's not the same style of defense that Brian Flores and, and Josh Boyer were, are running here uh, compared to the, you know what, what they're running in Tampa Bay, still you'd like to have somebody that at least on some, you know, whether it's like 60% of the downs, 70% of the downs, whatever, when it's a passing down can just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, whether they know he's coming or not. I, I think it's a huge need for this defense to really take the next step and be a truly elite defense. I know that they were good this year. Uh, you know, they, they were, they were going into the last game of the season. We had the number one scoring defense in the league. I think it was a good defense, maybe a very good defense, but I think a lot of what they did was a little bit smoke and mirrors, and I don't think that we should necessarily just expect if we bring the same talent there that we're going to get the same results there from the scoring standpoint. Um, I think you need to have an edge rusher that you can that can complement the rest of the guys on that defense to really up the pressure that we're able to apply on, on opposing quarterbacks. So when I look at the guys that, uh, are like the top tier edge guys, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips. Is there a chance that either of those two guys are there at 18? And if they are, what's the value there? And I'll let Daniel yeah, jump so into those edge rushers in a second. You brought up Tampa Bay, and, and you're right about how good their defense is. But you know what also made Tampa Bay successful? Their 43-year-old quarterback had Godwin had Gronk, had Fournette, he had weapons. And 43-year-old quarterbacks don't win Super Bowls without weapons. Now, the defense was barred. I mean, they stopped one of the best offenses in football, who, by the way, has weapons. <laughs> they drafted a running back last year in CEH. They had Hill. They have uh, Kelsey. So you look at the two offenses in the Super Bowl, weapons everywhere. That I'm not saying Mahomes and Brady aren't good, but weapons everywhere. Like, Tua is not winning a Super Bowl if he doesn't have those type of weapons. As for defense, you mentioned two of the guys in the backyard and Phillips and Rosso. I'll, I'll let Daniel speak to, to how good they are, but right there in your backyard, two guys from the University of Miami could help out for sure. There's the third one there too with Quincy Roche. Um, not a first rounder. So you know, the one thing I'll just add into the Super Bowl, yeah, they got Tampa has Shaq Barrett, right? But who did Kansas City not have? They didn't have Eric Fisher. They didn't have Mitchell Schwartz. Right. So they were missing, I think, their three top offensive linemen. So just going back to say, I get the weapons, which I agree with. Right. We need the weapons. I also get the edge rushing. But I also get the game is one in the trenches. And in Kansas City was down their offense off their entire, their entire um, 
offensive system is let the guys get open and Mahomes didn't have a chance to do so. One, because of the but also because the offensive line was a sieve during the Super Bowl. Um, Aaron, to answer your question, you know, what I would say for this this round, it's kind of an interesting play because you know there's always an edge rusher available. But you know when you when you mention the top tier edge rushers, what I would say is if there's a top tier edge rusher, we're talking about him at number six, right? So this draft does not have a Joe doesn't have a Nick Bosa, uh, it doesn't have um, a top, it doesn't have a Chase Young, it doesn't have a top ten, top five edge rusher. It doesn't mean you wouldn't take one at 18. You know, I, I've seen you know mock drafts here and there where, where literally the Dolphins are taking the first edge rusher off the board at 18, right? And my, my guess is that's a little bit of positional need, uh, more so than best player available. Um, and so uh, there, there's a reason that, that folks aren't picking edge rushers uh, more uh, higher in the board. Uh, part of it is positional need, but everyone, to your point, everyone needs an edge rusher. Even Guide rushers, right? Um, except for the Falcons, they don't believe in it. And so um, the 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 thought I have is there's probably value in the next tier of interest. I think you can get Andy Roche in the back end of two or in the third round, right? He was the premier um, transfer uh, in terms of edge rushers, you know, even more so than Jalen Phillips, who was a transfer to my tier. I think the issue with edge rushing this past year is everyone has a as an issue, right? Jalen Phillips crushed it last year, right? Where was he the two years before that at UCLA, right? He was sitting sitting on the bench with Will Fuller, with Will Fuller, right? Like neither of them, could, he couldn't get onto the field. Um, and so he was watching UCLA play. Um, turned out to be really well. Where was where was Rousseau last year, right? He was sitting on the, you know, sitting out, hanging out with Penny Sewell watching watching the games. Um, you know, I didn't see uh, I didn't see Rousseau come back and run a 4-3-8 like, like Jamar Chase did. Um, you know, and, and just prove that he's just a dominant force uh, as 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 a, a, a draft. In fact, he was out, actually outplayed by Jalen Phillips at his own pro day. Um, so I do think there's options there, but each one kind of has a scar, if you will. Uh, and so to me, if, if you want to go edge, right, I'm taking my brother's approach, the running back role, and taking down. Right, like if we want edge, there there's you know between Quiddy Pay, between Rousseau, um, between uh, Jalen Phillips, there's guys that you know pick your poison pick the guy that you want you can get them later on let let somebody else barnwell wrote a great article about you know you know look at look at you know a couple of right? like the top offensive lineman taken last year um the guy out of georgia for andrew can't even think of his name for the giants he, he wasn't even starting by after the fourth game he was benched right but the next couple of guys so, you know it can be hit or miss in the draft right so i would trade down let someone else choose the quitty pay or, or, or the Russo and make a bet on them and, and, and stack up some, some capital. In the next um, and David, I agree with you on the running back. The pro you've got to remember that we're at 36, right? We're picking number three or four in the second round. Um, and, and I do think one, you know, there's a, there's a more, you know, the two different mock drafts that you saw, both of them had two picks in 30 range, right? But there's a third one in Javante Williams who, who could be a first round pick as well. And we're going to talk about those running backs. We're going to talk about pick 36 and what the Dolphins can do there in just a minute. But we've spent a lot of time talking about pick six, pick 18. And of course, those are the sexy picks. Those are where the sexy players are. And speaking of sexy, with the first pick in the 2021 men's grooming draft, the ball Saxonville Saguars select Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Looks like Mel Kuyper 
gave this an A-plus grade because this pick is a major upgrade for that Bush defense. So, uh, Daniel, David, you're ju- listen, I don't write this material. This is this is provided to me by the guys at Manscaped. They the, give the, me this to say. The sad so part is, Josh, I actually, for about a split second, thought you did write it, but I've heard the Manscaped and, and Brent Musburger <laughs> commercial so many times on VEASAN that – it hit me very similar to, to to what I've heard, but for a split second, you really got into that cell. Like I give you credit, you got into that. You were all in on the manscaping. That's what I do, baby. That's what I do. I go I go all in, and the, and you 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 got to understand, manscaped is a guaranteed number one pick because of their performance package. Can and this particular me? package, let's this package. Back. Let's go back two and a half decades. We're all sitting on the bus on the way home from school, the Chapel Trail. We're thinking one day we're all going to be on the same, whatever the hell a podcast is, talking about shaving your privates. That's right. And if you listen, if you only knew, if you only knew what Josh and I did on the bus back then, I mean, listen, you weren't on the the same bus, David, you, David and Aaron were not on the bus with me and Daniel. We were on our own bus. And let me tell you, when Mr. When Mr. Clow was driving the bus, when he was driving the bus, Aaron, I got nothing. You had, you had people swinging from, the emergency exits and letting him slam on the brakes and go flying through the bu- down the aisle of the bus. It was it was a wild time back in the mid nineties, folks. And let me tell you, I wish that back then, when we yeah. were in middle, when we were in middle school, we really kind of needed the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. We needed the performance package that included the lawnmower three trimmer. We needed the ceramic blade and the skin safe technology. We still need it quite frankly, because it reduces nicks and snags on your saggy bag. You hey, know, the next, the- time, next time we get together for one of these, remind me to tell you my Greg Maddox Manscaped story. We'll leave it oh, at that. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about it. We got to get Greg Maddox on the show to, 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 to give us his uh, Manscaped in- endorsement. But <laughs> bottom line here, folks, is Manscaped is the best, the best tools for the job when it comes to man uh men's below the belt grooming and they've sponsored the same old dolphin show and are giving you 20 percent off your next order and they're giving you free shipping so if you go to manscape.com find the things that you want you get the lawnmower 3.0 you get the weed whacker for your nose hair and ear hair you can get your your ball toner your ball deodorant you get all that stuff you check out, you go to check out, you hit the promo code Dolphins Talk, you save 20%, you get free shipping, and the next thing you know, bam, you got clean balls, you got beautiful balls, everybody's happy, your significant other is happy, everybody's happy. In the in the immortal words of LeVon Hernandez, everybody happy, Miami happy, everybody happy. And uh, listen, your balls will thank you. That promo code again, Dolphins Talk, save 20% off and get free shipping at Manscaped. One last time, that promo code is Dolphins Talk. Do that at manscaped.com. All right, fellas, that's that's enough about uh, the, the Manscaped Talk. So we've, we've gotten through day one of the draft. Now it's where things get a little bit hairy. I, I should have used that as the lead-in to the, to the Manscaped ad. <laughs> <laughs> but the Dolphins on day two have picks 36, 50, and 81. This is where things get a, a little bit trickier, maybe not so much on day two, but what do the Dolphins do here at 36, 
50 and 81. Obviously, there's the possibility they could be trading. They can move around a little bit. But assuming they stay in those positions, Daniel, who are some of the guys the Dolphins should be looking at at each of those positions? I'll give you the 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 start is you talked about the running back position. You talked about Najee Harris. You talked about Javante Williams. You talked about Travis Etienne. Do you believe that one of those three premier running backs in this draft is going to be available by the time the Dolphins come back around with pick 36. I do think one of them, you know, it, the, the you know, running backs are, 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 are tricky with the draft that, that people don't want to spend for you see that reverse a little bit in recent years. You know, I think we're, we've moved away from the Trent Richardson days, uh, you know, being a top five pick in a, in a bus. But I, I think with, uh, with some of the recent, recent guys, you've I mean, they've been working out as well. Um, I, I don't see three of them going in the first round first round this year, and I also don't see three of them getting graded um, as first-rounders like you've had. I've actually seen some, uh, some analyses out there where nobody has a first-round grade. So you know, there might be some folks that, that make a move here and there, um, I, I, but I do think at least one of them will be able to be honest, I'm, I'm game for all three of them, right? Everybody knows – um, Najee and, and, and Travis at ETN. ETN's been doing it for years. Like like David said, I thought he was going to come out the year before. I'm um, just you know he gets through to the second level and he's he's in the end zone. Um, Najee Harris put on a show um, in in the in the championship game when when Devontae Smith finally you know said I, I've had enough. I'm going to go sit for a little bit. And let Najee Harris do it instead. Or actually, I guess that was in the SEC championship game. Well, you know he had a couple touchdowns against the, the Gators there. Um, and so I think. You know, the names are there, but, you know, Javante Williams kind of flown under the radar for most just general NFL fans or college football fans because he shared backfield uh, with Michael Carter, who also is is available, you know, I would pencil in as a as a third, fourth round target for us. Um, but, but I do think one of the three will be there. They have different styles, right? ETN is explosive. Najee is a little bit of, of everything. He's a three down back. He's a catcher. He, he can run routes. Um, and with it's just violent, right? He 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 can he can run over people, which is something that you know we tried to get with Jordan Howard last year, but just didn't work out. You know, so I do think with a Miles Gask in the in the backfield, having someone like I do want to work in our space, um, you know, so that's you know in the thirty six range, uh, I, I definitely would go the running back route. Looking at at fifty, um, and later in the second round, that's where I definitely think you got to go center. Um, you, you know, if there's if they're available, just simply because there's two really good, um really good guys here right you know assuming we got the playmaker in round one maybe even a second one we've got our back um i think the target for the back end of, of the second round you've got Landon dickerson from alabama uh and you've got uh creed humphreys for for oklahoma and you know beauty about creed humphreys he again has flexibility right you can put him in at center um or if skura you know holding his own and isn't injured you can you can put him in at guard um, and let him play there and then shift him over at some point. Skura, I think, is only on a one-year contract. Uh, but I do think, you know, I, I get the point. I, I, I've mentioned the line a couple of times. You know, I don't think you need to get Sewell or Slater and then also get a, a Dickerson in, or, or Creed. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, having gotten, you know, a playmaker or even maybe two, getting a um, – getting – one of those two centers is a great call. I also think another option in that range, thirty-six or fifty, and you know, Aaron mentioned it a little while ago, is going the slot route. Um, you know, looking at the way our team is, we're kind of folk, you know relying on Bowden in in the slot. Uh, you know, Monte Parker is is a vertical guy, a deep cross guy. 
Uh, Williams, same. Uh, you got Will Fuller, he, you know, same. If you bring in Jamar Chase, if you bring in Kyle Pitts, the same. I think if you get like a, a speedy, really difficult to cover guy like an Elijah Moore or a Rondale Moore, I think Rondale Moore broke 4-3 um, in, in his 40 recently. And so if you can get one of those guys um, to go, even to go along with a chase or a pits, you know, talk about, as David said, doubling down on the playmakers. Uh, I think that becomes uh, really, really versatile, really difficult to, um, to, to have one of those. So I think if, if you're looking in the 30 to 50 range, as I said before, I think we really need three day one starters. Um, and so you've got two in the first round and two in the second round, you know, three day starters plus one or two more, that are future starters is, is what makes this a successful draft. So would love to see one of those running backs would love to see a potential Rondell Moore or a, uh, or an Elijah Plot or, or one of those centers in, in Creed Humphrey uh, or Landon Dickinson. Anybody else got some thoughts on what the Dolphins should do at 1836 and, or I'm sorry, 36, 5650 uh, and 81. I think it, a lot depends on what they do at 18. You know, Aaron and I went back and forth earlier. If they go ahead and get a second playmaker at 18, then do exactly what Daniel said at 36 and get one of those linemen, get a center, get, you know, get, get the guy from Alabama. If they decide to go Parsons or lineman, offensive lineman at 18, then I'm going to go back to what I said 10 minutes ago and says you got to double down and get a playmaker. You got to get one of those running backs. I think by the time you're done with 36, if you have two playmakers and a lineman, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. By the time you're done there and you have your first three picks with two playmakers and alignment, I don't care what order it is other than the six pick better go to a playmaker. I think you can, there, there are plenty of guys on the board at 36 that can help you out. If you do the right thing at 18, what you don't want to do is all of a sudden they, they whiff at 18 and then you're forced to go get someone at 36 that you don't want. Um, I'd be happy if they got Parsons at 18 and all of a sudden at 36 got one of the two running backs. I'd be happy if they got one of the two running backs at 18 and then at 36 got best guy on the board. I mean, Daniel mentioned a couple of the edge guys from Miami. You, you look at the, the some of the other linebackers out there, whether it's Davis from Kentucky, there are guys up there to be had. Same thing with the offensive line. If it's not Dickerson, Notre Dame's got a whole bunch of linemen out there. Basically their entire offensive line from the last two years is going to be drafted in this draft. So, they're out there for the taking, which is why I would go playmaker late in the first round and go lineman at 36, but I'm okay if it's flipped. All right. Well, then let's move from there to the final day of the draft. And this is, I know, where things get really sort of convoluted, right? Because at this point, you're in the bottom tier. You're in rounds four through seven. Dolphins also have a significant break. So they've got five picks in the first 81 of the draft. And then after that pick at 81, currently they don't pick again until 156. So they're almost doing, after they make that pick at 81, they're almost sitting through an entire 81 picks again before they get their next selection. So at this point, obviously things get a little bit more difficult because there's always the possibility that things could move. Things could shift around. Maybe the dolphins trade down, they trade up, they move around, they're adding capital. Um, there's guys that they're moving up for either way. We're looking at these, this, these last three days, this is where you sort of get to that next tier of guys. And it's really looking at the tier of players as opposed to the specific guys that the Dolphins are going to take at each of those positions. So, Daniel, when you get to this late in the draft, what are some of the players that are out there that the Dolphins might, you know, there might be a neat player for the Dolphins to take a look at 
you know, that late in the draft. So, yeah, Josh, I think that the important thing here is to think about what, what are you doing at this point in time, right? Um, so you're not, you're not drafting day one starters, right? You know, maybe you get a diamond or a, you know, we're dolphin fans, right? Zach Thomas, right? You know, maybe you find a Zach Thomas late in the game. Um, that we love love to hate so much, right? Maybe you find a six rounder um, that's a diamond in the rough, right? But at the end of the day, at this point in time, when you're end of the fourth round, fifth, sixth round, right? You know, the for starters, you're without looking at best player available, right? You're not really looking at need, um, you know, unless unless need is 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 at the depth point, because again, if you have a need at right tackle and you're drafting your right tackle in the in the fourth or fifth round. What, what are you doing, right? You're, you're not, he's not starting. So, so what, how are you actually really feeling that need, you know, that need, you know, talk to Aaron Rodgers about that, right? If you have a need for a wide receiver, then you just ignore it entirely or, or later on, it doesn't do you any good. So I think for starters, you got to manage the expectations of what are we actually even trying to do at that point? And so what you're, you're doing is you're, you're drafting depth. You're drafting um, a couple of diamonds in the rough. You're taking a couple of flyers on folks that you think have, have, have upside, you know, brother's favorite word when it comes to fantasy, you know, upside, um, uh, but I think you're drafting folks that that can play, um, and you're willing to take a couple of risks depending on you know what you what you've done earlier. And given the the the, the front loaded nature of our draft, I think that gives us actually the opportunity to take some risks on the back end because if they don't pan out, like top five guys in the first you know three rounds, um, a couple of folks that I would have on my radar. Um, the first one that just shouts out to me uh, is a Dylan Moses, right? So this guy is a top five pick last year, right? He gets injured pretty badly at the end of the, at the end of the year, misses a good chunk of this year. He does come back, but he's just not playing at the top of his game. Um, and he's now, he's not playing um, in, into late rounds in any, in any mock, you know, he's not even on, on some folks' radar. So I think, you know, a guy like him, we have the ability to take a flyer and, you know, draft him, even if it's a round or two higher than one might think, because we did two first rounders we've taken two second rounders including a top second rounder and we have in a third rounder plus we've got more capital coming forward so a dylan moses is one of those guys and by the way it fits a need and so he's he's a, he's a great talent um you know he, he was a he was a top recruit out of high school that then fulfilled his promise before he got injured another one that's in our backyard right marvin wilson uh right he's a Florida State guy. He decided for whatever reason he was a first rounder. He came out of school last year. He didn't. He went back, um, and then he got injured in November. Sat out the rest of the year. I don't think it's an injury that you know, it wasn't an ACL that's going to put him out for a full year. But he he shut it down. Knowing his draft, he's now being he's now being mocked fourth, fifth, sixth round, right? And he's a you know he was a first round talent last year. Um, it's a bit of a dumpster fire. Injury. In, in Tallahassee right now. So, you know, he's not getting the support from the other guy on the other side of the line like he got in Miami where you got two guys playing off of each other. Uh, so I think those are a couple of guys that, that we could target. Then, you know, running back has a lot of value on the back end of a draft, right? There's a ton of guys that are out there that have undrafted free agents um, that that are late round draft picks that 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 produce, um, especially if they don't have a ton of wear and tear on them. You know, the first guy I'm going to mention isn't the latter, but, you know, but Chuba, How- Chuba Hubbard, Right, you know, number two, I think, in yardage this past year, you know, t- top three the year before. Like, all he does is produce. Um, if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round, you know, that that seems like a win to to try to go for that and just add him into your backfield. You know, even if it's as a rotational guy, Ramondre Stevenson. So some of those folks will name. And promise you, if you're a Gator, you know the name because he ran all over the Gators in the Cotton Bowl in uh, in route to a 400 yard um, running back running uh, output for the for the. 
This is the kind of Florida Gators content that we like on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I figured I even tried to tee it up earlier when you were talking about it. I was like, hey, don't worry. You know, I got something that you're going to like. Um, Another name to throw out there, this is an upside guy. Um, Probably should have stayed for another year, but Nico Collins out of of Michigan, right? He's 6'4", you know, tall guy, pretty fast. That's my production, but then again, he was in the Michigan offense, right? You'd expect – uh, hard to figure things out by now, but, but, you know, not working out so far, but, but, you know, he's got the athletic build. He's got the talent. He's got the traits. Uh, I think he's a guy that you could, you know, he's probably going to slip into the third round, but if you can get him on day two, I think there's some value there. Um, and then the last guy, and I'll just throw him out there just because again, I know him and, you know, I'm storytelling here, you know, there's Brett Heggie, you know, so he's a center, center for the, for the Gators. He's off the radar. He probably won't even get drafted this year. He didn't. He he got he got injured in 2019. Uh, played the year, didn't play very well. Came back. He finally healed up, and then the back half of the year, he was actually playing really well. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think in sixth round, seventh round, if you can get a guy like like Heady again at depth, um, groom him to be able to be a starter at some point down the road, maybe, um, or at least to get some depth in there, he's a guy that I would target. So those are the types of folks. That I think you, you want to aim for, you know, the name of the game definitely go back to is best player available at this point in time. Uh, but but there's a few names that I would even toss into the mix, it, it, you know, to target or to, to have on the radar at that point in time. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, we're gonna go to a lightning round here. So it is now May, June. We're getting. We're approaching. You know, the beginning of OTAs. We're getting. You know, all the off season training programs are happening. The draft is behind us, right? Complete this sentence. I'll go. I'll start with Aaron, and then we'll go to David, and then we'll go to Daniel. Complete this sentence. This has been a bad draft for the Dolphins if what? If we haven't addressed uh, each of the three needs on, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, within the first two days of the draft, which would be uh, the playmakers uh, at wide receiver, running back. Uh, well, I'll say, well, yeah, the first two days of the draft. So that that includes the third round. So yeah, in the first in the first two days of the draft, you better have come away with a wide receiver, a running back, and an interior offensive lineman. David, this has been a bad draft for the Dolphins. If what? If Devontae Parker is still your number one weapon, it was a bad draft. Well, I think he's already not the number one weapon, right? If I Devontae mean, Parker is your number two weapon, it was not okay. a good Dolphins draft. Fair enough. Daniel, this has been a bad draft for the Dolphins if blank. You don't have three day monsters. Right. So and I look at last year, you know, Noah Igbenogany, I pronounced that right, right? He, you did. He you got it be, exactly right. He may be good. There you go. He may be the guy, right? But you're sitting there with Howard. You're sitting there with Byron Jones, right? So you've got your starters. He's developmental, right? You, we drafted him as a project. Doesn't mean he was a bad pick, right? But when Jonathan Taylor is there, when Don's there, right, that are solid guys that are, are, at, are at a position of need, right? I, I don't think you know, develop, drafting a developmental prospect in the first round is the win. So I think you need to, with, with three top 36 picks plus your own second round pick at the back end of the second round, you have to get three day one starters. If you don't, bad draft. 
He didn't right. use the I, word upside there either. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me uh, let me get. I, I posed this question to Twitter today, and I got I got a really great answer from at Finn's disciple, and he said, "This has been a bad draft for the Miami Dolphins if Mike Tannenbaum grades it an A." <laughs> I cannot that, comment. I am a colleague of Mike Tannenbaum's. I'm not. You no, know, I was. I was gonna. I was gonna preface that with you know this is your colleague over there, uh, David. But um, he's a great was, analyst. He that if listen this at Finn's disciple says if Tannenbaum says it was an A plus draft for the Dolphins that it means it wasn't particularly good. We're gonna move to the other side of this. We'll have the next sentence to complete. This has been a successful draft for the Dolphins. If blank, Aaron. And don't I just mean, turn your other answer around. <laughs> well, that's where I was going to go because, I mean, at the end of the day, this draft is about, uh, look, your defense was good last year. Your offense sucked. So it's about, you know, bringing the offense up to up to snuff, bringing the offense up to the defense's level. So, again, it's really about that. But I would say it, it's it's a bad draft. It it's a good draft if you if you come out of it and you feel like you have like playmakers is not is no longer an issue. You if you've gotten playmakers, dynamic playmakers, then that's then then this was a good draft. David, I spent the last three months defending Tua, saying incomplete because I don't have enough data. He only had nine games. He had no training camp. He had no preseason. He's coming off an injury. Had no playmakers. This is a good draft if I can legitimately grade Tua because he has a full set of data, whether it's playmakers like we've said over and over and over again, or he has the just the right weapons where I cannot have to answer the question, is Tua your starting quarterback for the rest of your franchise? Is he going to be your franchise quarterback? If the answer is answered by the draft, it was a good draft. If you can say, all right, I now can go grade Tua at the end of this year and stop asking or answering that question of, is he your franchise quarterback? He either is or he isn't. But I want to be able to answer that question, and I can't answer it today. Maybe I can answer it after our draft. Daniel, this has been a good draft for the Dolphins, if blank. Yeah. Let me preface it with two quick things real quick before I do answer that. Number one. I love what Greer has been doing, right? I think he's done some really good work. The Igbenogany draft pick, you know, may not have been this one. I really love how he's building and constructing the roster. Um, so so that that's one. The one thing I fault from last year, we had, what, 11 picks? Something like that. We had so much capital. I thought we could have used it more last year. We moved around a little bit. I love that we stayed at five, and I love that we held our own and got to it anyway. That was, I think, genius. Um, but I felt like later on we couldn't have to I love the trade of throwing a seventh round pick at Matt Breda. Love that, right? Like, you know, that was great. And we did some small things like that, but I thought we could have done more. So that's one. The second thing I just want to a, a, a acknowledge, right, is the draft has already started for the Dolphins, right? So we can't look at the draft as in what happens three weeks from now. You have to look at the draft as in what happens three weeks from now and what happened a week and a half ago, right? And so we already added a first round pick in 2023. Right. And we've already had a third round pick this year or, or next next year. Right. And so 
to me, to not necessarily just turn it upside down, a good draft this year is if we get those three day one starters I've mentioned a couple of times, like even tack on, you know, potential starters in addition to them. But, and we add to our capital, right? Greer has done a really good job over the past couple of years moving around the board. He, you know, I think he's learned a lot from Belichick, you know, how Belichick has just stopped capital over and over again. Um, and so I do think that if we add capital on top of three day one starters, that's a good draft. And when you you got to think through that, we've already started to do that. So it can't just be we had capital in three weeks because we've already added a first-round pick as part of our draft this year, right? We If we end up with Jamar Chase at six, first-round pick, um, that's a heck of a lot better than taking Jamar Chase at three. And so I think, you know, we're, we're already down that path of adding the capital. Now let's go get those three three day one starters. I love it. And I will I will close this out by saying this has been a good draft for the Dolphins if – Three or more of the players drafted this year are contributors, significant contributors, on a Super Bowl-winning Miami Dolphins roster by the end of the 2024 season. And it's a good draft. David, David, you told me offline, and I don't know if you're going to get to it you know, live, but you told me offline that if we do win that Super Bowl by 2024, you were going to use Manscaped to put a Dolphin where where it needs to be oh hey love it dan dan you'll take your head off talk about manscaping <laughs> hey all right all right all right all right let's not let this descend into madness but if you do happen to go over to manscape you need to get some new tools for the job make sure you use promo code dolphins talk save 20 percent off of your order and get free shipping as well um so wait correct me if i'm wrong josh we said it's now may the Dolphins had a good draft if, and your answer was something about 2024. Just yeah, making right. sure I got that line. That's, right. that's correct. That's okay. correct. That's correct. We, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always taking the long view of things. You know, you can't always judge things in the micro sense. You got to take it in the macro sense. And which is what I've been saying all along with this Dolphins team is that, you know, this is the same old Dolphin show. We're constantly judging this team by what they're doing on the micro sense because that's all it seems like that's how they've always operated. They've always operated on trying to do something by this by the seat of their pants, trying to do it now, trying to, you know, take this team from seven wins to nine wins. And that's how they've always done everything. And for the first time in a in a really long time. Right. You could say the beginning of the Jeff Ireland era was kind of the last time where you're like, OK, maybe things are going to go the right way. And then it all fell apart. It all went off the rails. But now it really feels like the Dolphins are headed in the right direction. I love what Chris Greer is doing. I love what Brian Flores is doing. We've said that before of Dolphins GMs and Dolphins coaches. But right now it really feels like this is not the same old Dolphins. Will they be the same old Dolphins in the draft? We'll find out. They certainly weren't last year or even really the year before that. But let's see. Let's see how things go. Um, but before we, like, I mean, we're, we've basically reached the end of this podcast here. And I first, I just want to say, David, Daniel, thank you for joining us. This has been a ton of of fun for us. I hopefully the, the listeners and the viewers all have enjoyed this as much as, as we have. I mean, this has been a reunion, literally 30, you know, maybe not quite 30 years, but 20, 25 years in the making here to, to, to make this reunion happen on the show. We appreciate you guys coming on and doing this. Um, Daniel, I know you don't have a, a ton of 
stuff out there to plug, but where can the people find you if they want to follow you on Twitter? Obviously, we got your handle there on the screen, but what what can the people do to uh, to find you and hear from you if they want to hear more of your voice? Uh, to be honest, most likely it's it's follow my brother, Jeremy uh, <laughs> <laughs> ESPN. <laughs> right, so I'll plug I'll plug him. He's got the follow. He's got the follow. He's got the follow. On Twitter, you know, you know, I'll be honest. You, know, you you introduced me as a draft. Nick. I've been doing this for a long time, just following the draft. I, I'm not going to say I'm Mel Kiper, right? I also don't have the expertise of, of of scouting players or anything like that. But I just enjoy it, and I've been I've been reading up on it since before everyone had a mock draft. And so it's just a, it's a hobby of mine that I think when you combine it, passion for passion for the Dolphins. Um, you know, I'd like to think my, my mental capacity, um, it, it allows me to just kind of do this, but you know, I do it for fun. I do it to talk to my friends. Um, I'm not out there very publicly, um, building a brand out of this. Um, you will see me, uh, on my brother's Twitter, uh, thread, you will see me, Josh, on yours here and there. Um, so, so, uh, I appreciate anyone that does follow me here, um, as my handle, um, uh, you, you you probably won't see a ton of content on me. Um, I'm more my more uh, I'm more apt to to chime in and try to add some humor to to my colleagues, my, my friends, instead. All right, so that it is at Bearman Daniel David. Where can we find you? Get all the plugs in. You got you got all your ESPN stuff. So tell us where sure. we can find you and and read about all the latest draft props and all that stuff. But before I plug myself to to pump my brother up a little bit, since he did plug my Twitter. Um, that 2010 Rose Bowl, I was hanging out, well, hanging out. I was working with Todd McShay, and someone went up to him and reminded him that his way too early 2000 whatever mock draft was going to be due the day after the draft in April. They just reminded him of that, and he kind of sat there and said, "I'm not sure why they make me do that column the day after the draft." And I said, "I know why, because my brother reads it. <laughs> my brother will read it and digest." The draft article the day after the draft for the 2022, because he'll read it. Anyhow, uh, you gave me the platform to plug. It's at D. Behrman ESPN. You can find all of our material. You introduced me as a deputy editor of sports betting. Go to ESPN Chalk, click on all the articles. We have best bets every single day on some various sports. Yesterday it was Masters. To tomorrow will be NBA. Uh, we'll have our draft best bets coming out probably the Monday before the draft. So if you want to see what the – betting experts think of the draft go to espn chalk or follow me at d bearman espn i tweet out all of the articles that we do as well as um i try to have fun on twitter whether it's talking about golf football my kids my brother whatever we try to have fun with it um don't take everything too seriously we do work in sports we do have a lot of fun doing it It ain't brain surgery we're talking draft we're talking golf we're talking football d bearman espn josh aaron it was a pleasure. You said 25 years in the making. You're making me feel really, really old. Um, but so does realizing the Dolphins haven't won a Super Bowl in close to 50 years also makes me feel old. So Seriously. I mean, it's been so long. I don't – Aaron wasn't even born the last time the Dolphins were in the Super Bowl. I think uh, I think they, I think I was like uh, 10 months old when they were playing the, the 49ers. Maybe, maybe you, it was a long time ago. Brain, where, what are your plugs? Get your plugs in there. So yeah, obviously you can find me on the same old dolphin show. I uh, follow us at same old dolphins and you can follow and, you know, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and that you're going on to dolphins and, and, you know, 
finding all of our new content there. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. Look, I've taken kind of a sabbatical from Twitter during the offseason, but by the time the draft comes around, I'll be glued to my TV. I'll be live tweeting it. And once the season starts, whether it's preseason games, regular season games, you know I'm always going to be giving you my opinion as it comes, just my raw initial reaction as it comes live tweeting the game. So you can always follow me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am, of course, at Amplified to Rock. The show, as Aaron mentioned, is at Same Old Dolphins. Uh, so we invite you to download, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere that you find your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. It helps the show out tremendously. Um, and we appreciate all of you that have done that and continue to do that. We really appreciate it. Everybody that follows along on Twitter and social media, facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins, we're over there. And of course, that Dolphins Talk YouTube page, picking up uh, lots and lots more subscribers so we appreciate everybody that's gone over there smashed the subscribe button and of course make sure you're visiting dolphinstalk.com each and every day it is your one-stop shop for all things miami dolphins we've got new podcasts dropping all the time columns opinion pieces and we just added a brand new podcast called the finish line that is hosted by former miami dolphins legend richmond webb along with reason and mr ball game so that's the finish line. Look forward to the first episode of that dropping sometime soon here, uh, mid to late April here on DolphinsTalk.com. So uh, lots of new stuff coming your way. So again, for Daniel, for David, for Aaron the Brain, thanks as always for listening to the show. We look forward to, I don't know that we're going to have another episode before the draft. So it might be that the next, I mean, obviously if big news breaks, we'll be here as we always are. But um, otherwise we might, the next time you hear from us might be after the draft where we're reacting to what the Dolphins have done. And, and we determine whether or not the Dolphins had a successful draft without looking ahead to the 2024 season. <laughs> but <laughs> in the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!